I was sent to a child's funeral picket. And I just remember thinking, I hope no one comes up to me. I hope not a single person sees my sign. And I prayed that that day that I could just hide and not be there. That's Lauren Drain. She's talking about her experience as a former member of the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. I'm Umbreen Khan, and this is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. This week, we're revisiting conversations from our 2016 Escaping Religion series. We continue now with Maureen Fiedler, who spoke with Lauren about the church and why she left. The Westboro Baptist Church calls itself a unique picketing ministry. And that's certainly one way to think about it. The members are quite purposely outrageous in opposing homosexuality. They arrive at the funerals of soldiers and even children, holding signs with insulting messages like, God hates fags, and pray for more dead soldiers. It makes you wonder, what kind of person could pick at a funeral like that? And who are these people? We are about to meet one of them, Lauren Drain. For seven years, she held those hateful signs and attended services at the Kansas-based church. She has now left and written a book about her experience. It's called Banished. Lauren Drain, thanks so much for being willing to share your story with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you first entered the Westboro Baptist Church at age 14 through your father. Why do you think he wanted you and indeed your whole family to be part of that church? It it definitely involves more than one aspect. My father's always been very um, controlling. He's always had a very type A personality. I think my dad was searching for something to be a part of, and he was also intrigued by um, a position where he could be right in some type of what he saw to be a powerful group. Basically, when we joined the church back in 2001, despite their you know kind of hateful, judgmental message, they hadn't progressed to the extreme nature that they have now. They were not yet picketing funerals. They were not yet picketing military or children or tragedies like they've progressed to now. So I think we didn't know exactly what we were getting ourselves involved with. I don't think we would have been able to be as likely manipulated into it had we known that it was going to be getting more extreme. And, of course, the Westboro Baptist Church is very small. I believe there are less than 50 members, and it's headed by a man named Fred Phelps, who is the pastor. It sounds like he preaches like a angry, vengeful God. Would that be right? Definitely, yes. He focuses on the anger and hatred more than anything. He preaches that the members of his church are the only members going to heaven, the only members loved by God, and um, like they are an elect, elite group of people. They're very judgmental, and they've basically decided if anyone doesn't stand up like they do against what they think are the big sins of the day, then they think that everyone's complacent or enabling those sins and going to hell. And the church is known, of course, for its focus on the issue of homosexuality. And a lot of churches preach against homosexuality, but none are outrageous or, frankly, as hateful in their expressions of that idea. So what is the idea behind a horrible sign like God hates fags? For them, they they want to make everything really bold and very like stunning. They're 
out for shock value. They're out to get, you know, media attention. They think they have this message of doom and of condemnation for the whole world. And it's it's a very kind of a narcissistic point of view is that they are the only people on earth that God loves and then everyone else is deserving of God's hate. They think it's their job to go around and warn people of, of sins and to judge people for those sins. Is there a certain amount of what you might call media savvy behind that? In other words, if you're totally outrageous, people are going to pay more attention to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Over the years, it's, they've gotten more and more extreme, and, they, and that's how they maintain their attention. Like you said, they are a small group of people. They were about 70 when I was there. They're probably down to 50 or 40 now, and they're still getting media all the time, all the time. They know how to say shocking and disturbing and offensive things, and unless the media avoids it, they will continue to put themselves on the map. And you yourself, of course, picketed when you were a member of the church. And in the book, you say the church members get almost a chemical high from that. Is that what it was like for you? What was it like to pick it? Yes, I would say when I first joined, I was I was very unsure about everything. I was unsure about the world. I was unsure about what I believed. You know, I was being inundated with this doctrine and then right away, like just pushed into all these protests. So I kind of just had to acclimate and, and discover for myself what it was. And I wanted to believe that these people were true. I wanted to believe that they had good intentions and that we simply were misunderstood. But the more hatred I saw from people, the more it kept me believing the brainwashing because we were told that we will be hated by men for God's namesake. And we kept being hated and people would say mean things or throw things at us. And it kept me thinking, well, I must be doing the right thing because people are hating me. So I'd have to say, to answer your question, there was in the very beginning, I would see this high that the other members would get on their protests and their pickets. And I thought, well, is this a spiritual high? And I always hoped that it was. It wasn't until I started questioning things and and eventually left. I wondered, maybe it was a much different spirit that they had about them that gave them that possessive kind of nature to mock and tease people. There's an idea in Christianity, and you alluded to this a minute ago, indeed it's in many religions, that being faithful to a message is hard. You're not supposed to be in lockstep with the rest of secular society. Was that a message you heard at that church? Yes, the main message was that friendship with the world is an is an enmity with God, which means all these people in the world, you don't want to be loved by them because if you are, then that's a bad sign that you're not godly. So that also kept me there as well. And I know that a lot of the other children, you know, being obedient to their parents and learning these scriptures and being told that's what they mean, that keeps them there also. Now, there came a breaking point for you when you thought, I just can't take this anymore. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. There's a couple points in my life that hit me while at the church. Um, Inside, watching the members being treated certain ways was definitely very kind of devastating. Treated how? Well, I would see members get kicked out and separated from their families. I would see some people's sin get excused and other people's sin was fully punished I would ask questions about verses to my parents. I would ask questions about verses to the pastor and to the other members because I thought it was necessary to learn and to grow. And I thought um, we didn't have it all right. I didn't think we had it right by 
praying for people to die or for thanking God for people dying. So you almost suppress your own curiosity. You suppress your own instinct because you know that you're going to get punished for it or humiliated for it. And eventually they threaten to kick you out of the house or out of the church or out of your family. And that's pretty scary. And you were dismissed by the church just before your 22nd birthday for being what they called a whore. Where did that come from? Good question. They kicked me out without me knowing and then said that it was because I was a whore. And I think the real reason they kicked me out is because I started asking questions. So Mm. they made an example out of me. Now, your family, of course, is still in the church. How do they view you now? Do you ever have contact with them? I have, I have not been able to contact my family in six years. So wow. I don't know. I know what they've said on national television. I've seen some, some things my father has said about me, and they say I'm no longer their daughter. They don't miss me. They don't love me, that you know I'm going to hell, and that a lot of other mean things, unless they somehow have a chance to see, see differently, I don't think they'll change that message. Let me ask you a different kind of question. Um, I'm sure you have some guilt and shame over these years in this church, but I can also imagine that it might be hard for some of our listeners to sympathize fully with you. You were between the ages of 14 and 22 when you were in the church. For at least part of that time, not exactly a child. And you didn't leave by choice. You were kicked out. Did you have any sense of moral outrage at what your church was doing as you were in that church? Yes, I did. But you didn't um, feel but you didn't feel free to say no. No, of course not. Uh, not at that time. At that time, if I, had I said no, my my family would have probably kicked me out right then and there. It's very hard to make these these decisions. You have to subtly ask questions. You have to subtly try and change things unless you're willing to give up your family for life. And I had a three-year-old sister, a five-year-old brother who I loved dearly, who I'd be abandoning behind by leaving, a 16-year-old sister, my mother. And that's, that's a very hard thing to ask anyone to do, is to leave your family for life. And since you've left, have you ever been afraid that God might punish you for picketing the funerals of children or carrying those hateful signs? No. No, I don't. No. I, If anything, I have a much better relationship with God than ever have before. I've asked for forgiveness multiple times, and I still do. For anyone that it asks me, you know, if I was sorry, I, I continue to say I was sorry. I feel God's forgiven me. I don't do those things anymore. I've made an outspoken apology, and I've tried to convince others to leave. Mm. So I think I've, I'm doing the best I can to make up for lost time, but I think each person has different things they're going to have to deal with in terms of what God may judge you for. Lauren Drain shares reflections and her experiences in the memoir, Banished, My Years in the Westboro Baptist Church. Since the first broadcast, Lauren has worked as a registered nurse and a fitness trainer. When we return, Joshua Saffron reflects on what it was like growing up in a Wiccan coven and then later discovering his Jewish heritage. I'm Umbreen Khan. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. <laughs> 